Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Winchester Radio. Welcome back. A little bit of a hiatus there, and uh, we came back to one hell of an episode <laughs> uh, titled Goodbye Stranger, 17th episode of the 8th eighth, eighth season. Uh, welcome to the podcast. It's just us tonight, me, Susan. Uh, Becky and Vinny are here. We're very excited. We've got lots to talk about. I will just quickly say um, our call-in number, if you've got some questions or comments, uh, please feel free to call in. The number is 347-205-9801. Thank you for listening. We are at blogtalkradio.com forward slash media boulevard. You can find our link at our website, winchesterbrose.com. Click on the Winchester Radio logo. You can subscribe and listen to iTunes. When you go back to Blog Talk Radio, everything is archived. You can go back and listen for years if you want to. The really early days, you have to search for Winchester Radio, but they are there. Um, Where else can you find us? Oh, of course, Facebook and Twitter, both of them Winchester Bros. Thank you so much for following us and liking us on Facebook. Okay. Goodbye, stranger. Go. Oh my God! What, where can you start? This episode was huge. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It had like everything everybody could possibly imagine, and 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 that's a lot. I mean, there's some huge characters in there, and everybody was so well balanced and written and got attention, and and that's not easy to do. And we have to give a really big shout out to writer Robbie Thompson, who's just turned yes. into one of my huge favorites, and some fantastic direction by Thomas Wright, who's a like a like a treasure TV director with so many shows and episodes for years. <laughs> This episode totally cemented Robbie Thompson as my favorite supernatural writer. Mm-hmm. He's just he's he's the top. He's just amazing. Mm-hmm. He wrote an episode that I said it was everything I wanted, everything I never knew wanted, and then he crushed my soul, and I'm thanking him for it. So, <laughs> right, right. Like you broke my heart, Robbie Thompson, uh, and I thank you for it. <laughs> it was, yeah, no, yeah. If you can break my heart in a way that I respect and appreciate, kudos. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not easy to do it, and and just and and it's like one of those that just it just hurts so good. You just have to keep watching, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it kills you. It kills you, but you just keep doing it because it's just that good. Um, I, I don't. I don't even know where to begin. We could start at the beginning. We'll start at the beginning. Yeah. The, uh, the opening scene. Um, with uh, it was pretty cool. It was not the usual setup of monster of the week. Somebody in peril that killed. You know, uh, credits break. Sam and Dean here about the case. Blah blah. It was. You started with. I mean, you were just flung right into the middle of this amazing scene with Cass stalking Dean, catching him and killing him. And then uh, and that uh, was really well done because you're automatically put off because we are so used to 
the side story being the opener, or not the, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the monster of the week, the plot, whatever is going to go, it's the mm-hmm. opener. Mm-hmm. And so to automatically see Castiel and then Bean, you're already going, wait, what's going on? What is this? And I thought it was going to be one of those, you know, we would get the tease and then you'd be like four days earlier. And he's like, oh, okay, that's how we ended up here. Yeah. That exactly. And that's then, exactly know, what and I then thought he too. Right. And I was like, no, no, mm-hmm. something else is wrong here. <laughs> oh yes, huge, huge, huge. And and then Naomi comes in, and and you realize this this isn't the only Dean that Cass has killed. And the camera just draws back, and you see like a thousand dead Deans all across How the floor. How disturbing was that? And the that disturbing thing about it is it's disturbing to see it, but then when you actually process the fact that there's so there's a thousand dead beings because Cassiel had to do that over and over and basically every single time they went, Not good enough, do it again. Not good enough, do it again. Mhm. That's so disturbing. Mm-hmm. That was seriously the creepiest thing I've ever seen. I mean I actually said to the T V when I was watching it, that is creepy because it's like mm-hmm. whoa. Yeah. There's one thing, you know, when, when season three, the finale, it's one thing to see one dead being. That was bad enough. Mm-hmm. But you want to give me a thousand mm-hmm. dead beings, and I'm not okay with it. Yeah, and and Cap, and Cap doing it, and over and over and over again, and to see him so stoic and stone-faced and, mm-hmm. and stabbing this, 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 this man, this human, that he's had this incredible relationship and bond with, you know, for years now to just stone cold kill him and I can't, make Naomi I mean, I can't imagine stabbing anybody, but let alone to stab my best friend in the entire whole wide world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's who screwed up. Is, yeah. Like. Yep. And whenever, um, you know, Sam and Dean have died a lot, you know, on the show, and it's funny, whenever I'm watching it and um, my son Dylan's in the room, he'll say, oh, he, he's like, you know, is, you know, like, Sam died? Is this his last episode? And I'm like, yeah, this is the very last episode Sam was ever in, you know, and all that. And so that's <laughs> all I thought about when Dean was laying there dead. I was like, yep, this is the very last episode Dean will ever be in, you know. <laughs> well, I was yeah, he looks pretty to... dead to me. <laughs> yeah, when we were at VegasCon and Jensen said, you know, but, you know, they have their renewal and everything. He said, but they can't kill us. And the river was like, yeah, right. He's like, okay, well, they can kill us, but not for good. And we hadn't yeah, seen this episode yet. So that was one of the first few I thought. I was like, no kidding. Like, <laughs> nothing was warning for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you also get, you know, as soon as the team is over, you, they cut right to Dean being so very Dean. You know, just so flippant and just going through the men of letter stuff and complaining about their lack of a cataloging system and just to go from all the dead beings to him being perfectly fine and being his normal sarcastic self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the men of letter stuff, I want to know what that stuff is, especially that thing that looked like an awk or something. It's like, ooh, I want to know what that is. I hope, you know, some of that stuff, you know, goes up and later episodes, and, like, what would they need a Fabergé egg for? You know? Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> was so weird to me. Wait, what? what why? And, <laughs> why no, that so, particular one out of all? Well, I don't know. 
yeah, who, who knows what's in there? That you know, I'm guessing the Grail is somewhere in the in the metal right, bunker. But right. but <laughs> but the the Fabergé egg, Dean opens it without a second thought, and I'm like, are you and sniffs it? Anything in there, poison, I, I curse, God only knows what. And he's you, like, oh, he opens it. Ah! You know John raised him better than to go around opening things and sniffing them. You know he did. <laughs> I know. The only thing I can I can think of is that he maybe was thinking the men of letters would have known and would have had it, like, locked up or or you know, warded or something, so maybe he thought it was okay, but I'm like, geez, I wouldn't want to take the chance. Like, no. Goodness. Um, I also have, I love, because we've been joking about the tuberculosis for weeks, so I love that he called Sam Doc Holiday. Yes. Love that. Oh, yeah. I was reading, um, for weeks. I read uh, Television Without Pity's recap, and they're calling it Trial berculosis, and I'm like, oh, it's perfect. I like that. <laughs> I've been calling it consumption. <laughs> consumption. I'm going for the sort of vintage. <laughs> okay, <okay>. consumption. <laughs> I just figure I now call Sam Emily Bronte and then be super nerdy about it, and I feel like you would appreciate that. So, be like, yes, I, yeah, Sam is a girl. Dean would like yes. that. Yes, he would. Well, it made me think of Nicole Kidman, you know, as Satine in Moulin Rouge. <laughs> She's sort of coughing into her. Hey, did you guys see Moulin Rouge? That's yeah. a great movie. But anyway, uh, she's coughing I've blood. I've part of it. I never finished Hanky. the whole movie. Oh, I love it. <laughs> what did you just it's say? It's so crazy. I've so seen part of Moulin Rouge. I've never finished it. I was like, eh, oh. I, can't, I can't get through this movie. No, I'm done. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about Moulin Rouge. Very mixed feelings. Oh, sometimes I, I think love I love it. it. Sometimes I think it's the worst thing ever put on a movie screen. So, <laughs> but then I, I feel I feel that way about Chicago too. I feel that way about a lot of musicals. I'm like, this is brilliant. I never want to watch it again. <laughs> I I'm a like a sucker for dancing, and it's Ewan McGregor whom I love. He's so wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, he's so great. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> um, I thought <laughs> I thought Sam. Um, did a really poor job of hiding that bloody tissue, so I'm assuming he wanted Dean to find it. And seriously, and he wanted I think to be he found thought out. Dean would go through the trash. <laughs> he knows he Dean. That. Come on, He's, he knows Dean. He knows Dean's going to see it. It was laying right on top with the blood on, blood showing. It's like you yeah. Didn't he put it under some of the other trash? I mean, I think subconsciously he did want to let Dean know. I, I think so too. I think he could have he could have like rolled it up and stuck it in his pocket to throw away later. Mm-hmm. He could have gotten mm-hmm. up and thrown it away, you know. So yeah, I think he absolutely wanted Dean subconsciously to to find it. Uh, maybe I'm for sure. More focused on the fact that Sam was drinking Coke. Like, right, right, and it. that's so strange. I'm like you're drinking Coke. That's so weird. <laughs> like. It's not water, it's not beer, it's not whiskey, it's not coffee. I'm really confused. <laughs> I like. I did like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, having a refrigerator with, like, a two-liter Coke, just, I don't know. I, I find that convention <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Um, I love the vintage <laughs> porn magazine. Yeah. Forerunner to best the Asian ladies, voluptuous <laughs> Asian, voluptuous uh, Asian pixels, maybe? I've forgotten, but um, that was very interesting, and I, I like the whole me. eBay discussion, too. You know, it's like, you know how much that goes for on eBay? Do you? <laughs> I like, I like to think that Dean was trying to, like, eBay, like, some kind of mystical stone at one point, and then, like, ventured off to just, just wonder what. Yeah. <laughs> he got sidetracked. Um, yeah. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I will try to mute it, but I have a really bad cough, so if you hear coughing, it's me, and I'm, I apologize ahead of time, everyone. Vinny's <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> got consumption. Don't mind if she's on. I, ha- I have <laughs> a consumption. I have trial trilocus. Yes, we're very, very sorry, everyone. How many trials have you been through so far, Vinny? <laughs> I'm on the second trial. Someone just needs to catch up. <laughs> I'm at the end of the so second he... trial, tapping my foot and waiting. <laughs> uh, speaking of Although, the trials, I, I did like that, Co- that Crowley mentioned that he was mad at Sam for killing his dog. I did like that. that they yeah. yeah. There was a lot, like... I appreciate for Robbie Thompson is that he was really good about a lot of con- continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, where when the show's been on for this long, you know, as fans, we're we know every in and out of, of every episode, but the writers don't. They don't write every episode. They don't watch every episode, mm-hmm. and it's a lot for them. So I really appreciate like how well he did with the continuity. You know. Robbie Thompson reminds me of he's like the Drew Goddard of the Buffy world. You know, yes. Drew, Goddard came, Drew Goddard came in, you know, in the last few seasons, and he was a fan before he was a writer, and so he knew everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, it, that's what Robbie Thompson reminds me of. Yes, very good analogy. Yeah, oh, I mean, there's so many Goddard. things that he remembered. I mean, all the way back to born under a bad sign. Oh, my God, Vinny yeah. and I were talking, and it's like when, you know, two things, when when um, Meg was having her talk with Castiel and then when Meg was having her talk with Sam and they brought up Born Under a Bad Sign, which is the first time that they brought that up, since that episode mm-hmm. with Meg. And, it's and like, I was oh, really love. Go ahead. That's really important for you to know, like, to remember that nobody, nobody in the entire world well, I guess Lucifer, aside from Lucifer, knows Sam the way Meg does. Mm-hmm. And for her to finally say, like, yeah, I know what your little brain thinks. Mm-hmm. And those, those two scenes were just basically telegraphing, you know, whoa, Meg's not going to make it. She's going to die. We're giving her these two great scenes. She's going to die. And yeah. it didn't hit. Uh, I didn't realize it, you know, until after I was like, oh, no. damn, I missed that. You know, cause, well, we yeah. were talking about it. We were like, in retrospect, we should have realized that she was going to die because of her scene with Cassiel. And I was like, no, we should have realized it was her scene with Sam. But I was too busy mm-hmm. flopping around my living room going, I love Meg, I love Meg. <laughs> that it never occurred to me. Yeah. That, I knew she was doomed. I knew she was doomed. 
She had so many wonderful scenes. Yeah. She had so many wonderful scenes. She got so much attention. I'm like, oh, Meg. You're you're gonna be you're doomed. <laughs> this is the end. Yeah, I mean the fact that she says, "If we get through this to Castiel, huge red flag." Well, she was like, "Yeah, when you guys get through this." Yeah, no. yeah. I want to see the scene with them, you know, moving their furniture. <laughs> you know, the furniture <laughs> order a pizza, and move some furniture around. I'd watch an hour of that. <laughs> I'm sure Jared and Jensen would like a week off. <laughs> now, Meg, now, it, I don't know. I don't, well, it's just maybe I just don't remember, but I thought Cass and Meg didn't do any more than kiss, or do, am I not remembering everything? Because I, I never hit. Yeah, in um, Cage 2, in that episode, they had the mm-hmm. big kiss in the hall, and he told right. her that he, he learned that from watching the Pizza Man. And he learned that from the mm-hmm. piece that, okay, I was just wondering if there was some more. So Meg was just kind of saying, you know, great, it's a good memory. Let's let's make some more memories. <laughs> right. Yeah, Officially with his dad, and then you had her watching over him when he was in the mental mm-hmm. hospital. Right. So, yeah. And seriously. I, I sound kind I'm of funny, but I just see some people online being like, that came out of nowhere. And I'm like, no, that's been going on for years now. Like, mm-hmm. that's, been, that's been four years in the making. Oh, now that's their first first scene together, basically, back in uh, Abandon All Hope. Um, You know, there was some heat there when he pulled her in, you know, he did Mm -hmm. did end up throwing her, he did end up throwing her on the holy fire and walking across her. But, I mean, there was was some flirtation there. there. Yeah. Yeah, There was was just some UST going on from that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and that's, now that that's been the little ship of my heart <laughs> since then, and so yeah, I, I was I was mm-hmm. all for it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, Meg's DL is still, you know, Meg's gone, but Meg's DL is still my ship, and it's like, oh, <laughs> I know. Now that does because, bring me to like one of my nitpicks about this episode, and I have a couple, but that's one of them. As much as I love the scene. Why didn't Cass just heal Meg's wrist and face where we oh, were, she could be? We were talking about that. And my other thing is he shouldn't have even had to do that because we learned from Meg, from her first, the original Meg Master's body, we learned that a demon doesn't, their, wing, their wounds don't get infected. They can go on with broken bones, right. internal bleeding. So when he says these wounds have festered, I didn't understand why, one, he could just heal it, but two, technically, could she? And yeah. three, who cares? <laughs> well, 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 in an episode like full to... of continuity and consistency, it's a little strange. The only thing I can think of is that he he wanted the contact. It was that kind of scene. And also, her wounds come from Cass, uh, Crowley's torture, which could be that a was... whole other thing. So. That was my two I, my two ways to sandwich, and I was like, okay, on one hand, I'm sure maybe he just wanted to caretake her, mm-hmm. and they both wanted nothing to do with what Simon Dean were doing. And mm-hmm. on the other hand, you know, maybe it's when when Crowley hurts you, when Azazel hurts you, when Lucifer hurts mm-hmm. you, that's a real hurt. That's something that a yeah. demon can't just shake off. That's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, going back to that, 
huge, huge props to the makeup department because when Sam and Dean and Cassiel open that bathroom door and she's sitting there, that is horrifying. Mm-hmm. She looked like an actual broken doll. Mm-hmm. That was horrifying. It was so good. <laughs> and I absolutely <laughs> love that how what they did with, you know, Rachel Miner's hair is now blonde. So Dean had to say, <laughs> okay, what's up with the hair? And she says, you know, that Crowley did it. Well, remember, you know, how they cut, how they talked about um, Osric Chow's haircut when he came back mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season was Kevin said that Crowley did it. So I'm like, yep. okay, does Crowley <laughs> secretly want to be a beautician? You know, why does Apparently. he change everybody's hair? <laughs> you have to think about it. Like, as a, as a person, like, as a, mostly as a woman, but I'm sure that possibly Jared could understand what I'm about to say, if nobody else. When you get a really drastic hair change, that's traumatic. Even if it's a good haircut, even if it's good hair color, when it's drastic, mm-hmm. it's trauma. And you will probably cry. <laughs> and so the idea that Crowley knows how to go for that kind of like little mental twist, I like that. Mm-hmm. I really like mm-hmm. that. It is it is traumatic because I I cut my hair back in January and I had hair below my shoulders. I cut it all off where the back was so short you could barely grab it with your fingers and it freaked mm-hmm. me out the first couple of days looking in the mirror that and I'm like, a mistake? Was it wrong? Yeah. Oh, my God. Or that first morning that you wake up and you run your fingers through your hair and yeah. your hands just hit air instead of hair? Mm-hmm. You have a punch to the yeah. gut. You're like, oh, where's 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 my Jezebel hair? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. anyway, we have, like a, we have a caller. We have Ooh, a caller. Hey. That poor person's been sitting there five minutes, and I feel bad. But there's so much to talk about. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm I'm going to put you on, caller. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Winchester Radio. Hi. Hello. Hi. I'm sorry I had like one little thing and it's okay about the waiting. I had one thing I wanted to say about Meg's hair and it just sort of like crept up on me. But it's like with her hair being blonde, I thought in a weird way that was another sign that they were kind of bringing her around full circle besides, you know, the time she was speaking with Castiel and the time she was speaking with Sam. I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) Because I remember that first right. day was blonde. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it too. That's a good idea. That is a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that at all. Yeah. That's a that's a great thought. Great thought. Um, and the red in her hair was that dye or was that blood or both? I she think it was a little blood. Bit. That's I'm what I thought blood. too. It looks really good though. You know, if if, yeah, if, if Rachel Miner doesn't have red streaks in her hair, she might want to put it in because the blood looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the drastic change will be a little too traumatic that she doesn't have to at all. <laughs> I just love the thought that Crowley secretly, he would give up his throne in hell for, you know, all he wants is a nice, his own little beauty shop. <laughs> he yeah, that was it. his own beauty shop. That just kind of so to think about. <laughs> basically, you're going with Crowley, the beauty school dropout. Yeah, it exactly. tickles me. <laughs> uh, poor Crowley. <laughs> that was too funny. It was. 
But that was basically, I wanted to call in before I forgot. And I really <laughs> enjoyed listening to you all. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So nice. And great, great point. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Very good thing to notice. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling and mentioning it. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And, okay, another thing about, um, another thing I wanted to mention about the hotel and where they found Meg and everything, they basically got there right after after Cass did, and Cass zapped there, so it's like, how close was that hotel to where they were, you know, because Adam and Dean got there really fast. Well, you know, they have the Impala, which could get to to South Dakota (laughs) from any given point in less than two hours. (laughs) So across town That's is true. <laughs> Baby, oh, she's a very true. special so car. Very <laughs> yeah. And but yeah, good point. <laughs> um, how about the sudden reappearance of Cass? Sam and Dean are, you know, questioning the PhD candidate and the demons show up and Sam's having a tough time with one of them and all of a sudden there's Cass and he's like, Dragging, you know, demon with the strange hairdo. <laughs> I really, I really thought that he had broken her neck at first. Yeah. When when he Angel graces the demon on top of Sam and he's got her by the rollers, I thought her neck was broken. I mean, mm. maybe it was, but maybe it that was, was yeah. really disturbing too. Yeah, and what a funny, I did like, love the line, and we got it in the teaser or in the. And the sneak peek, but I love that I'm a celestial being and I can hear you. Yes. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. I love the idea that they think they can whisper about an angel. Like, really? That's, that's cute. <laughs> that, was, that was too funny and too funny. And what's up with the curlers? You know? It's like, she just merrily <gasps> answered the door to these two, like, Gorgeous guys with giant. I mentioned that in my recap. Can you imagine answering your door and Sam and Dean or anybody that remotely resembles them is on the other side of your door? Like that is not the hair you want. You want your no. I want my good hair and I want my good makeup and I want my cute pajamas. I'm going to at least be wearing pajamas. Yes, no sweats and curlers. Like that's just no. That's the saddest. That's the saddest moment of life. Yeah, really. But it was, I mean, it's and then, and then the time you die, your sweats and your curlers. Like, oh, man. It's a bummer of a day. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we have another caller. I don't know. Put her on. Come on. <laughs> um, hello, Winchester Radio. You're on the air. Hello. 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 Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I tuned in a little late, so you may have touched on this already. And um, can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. We're good. Sorry. We're good. This is my first time calling in. <laughs> um, the whole Meg thing really kind of bugs me because you know the Meg 1.0. She was horrible. She was like probably one of the most horrible demons that has been on the show, completely unredeemable, tried to kill the Winchesters over and over, 
And and then, you know, when she comes back as the new Meg, the dark-haired Meg, she's completely changed, like a different character. And I just never could come to terms with how did she become that way. And they just completely accept her, even to the point of leaving her in charge of Cass when he's in the mental hospital. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, I really didn't have much sympathy for her. I mean, the last episode, yes, it was horrible what happened to her. I did feel bad, but I never can get over the fact that this is that horrible Meg that was so evil. So I just, I'm wondering if maybe I'm the only person who feels like that because uh, all of the... Looking looking online, I can tell you you're definitely not alone. So you're you're not alone. Um, I personally, like even from the first season, Meg was one of my absolute favorite characters and had continued to be throughout the eight years. I'm... I'm somebody that I don't need a character to be a good guy for me to love the character. And I'm very much, I like redemption stories. So if you ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you get Spike, who when you first get Spike, he is completely evil. Yeah. Spike was way more evil than Meg ever was. Yeah. Yeah. And yet he earns their trust. And even though he earns their trust, there are still moments when he has his chip, he has his soul, he's proven that he can be trusted, where there are times that the other characters still don't trust him. And I think that's something that these characters do with Meg. And you get that in this episode where, you know, Meg even says, she's like, you know, you didn't keep me in the loop. And she says, you know, you didn't go look for me. And I took bullets for you and... Well, and I understand. In her. I, she's hurt that he won't, and the look on her face when they drive off and they get in the car without her, she understands it. But you can tell. And maybe, and maybe that is, maybe that is kind of the way that they handled that that um, bit of confusion. I think because I guess I wouldn't have felt. So bad about it if they would have made her a completely different character or if she would have segued from the truly evil to being redeemed but it didn't seem to me and I've seen every episode multiple multiple times I just never really felt like she slowly got into it she just showed up one day and was like here I am and oh now I'm helping you and I don't think it happened I don't think it happened just you know, one, you know, woo, I'm good, I'm going to help now. I think it was just slowly she's been evolving for a while. She's been doing a little bit of good things for him here and there for a few years. And I will say this because I don't feel that initially it was a redemption for her. What it was is without Azazel, which was, you know, her family, her purpose, without that, when she first came back after being killed as Azel, she was alone. And I think a lot of what she did for the Winchesters at that point was completely self-serving and in order to just keep herself alive. And Mm -hmm. I think from there stemmed the actual desire to care. And I do think that I would say vast, vast 92% of that was all Cassiel. I don't think she would have 
been on such a redemption path with the Winchesters if it wasn't for Castiel. I personally mm. I do think that, that that created that balance. And we mm. saw more of a redemption cause for her with Castiel. Yeah. Which she and flat out be- says, that's her unicorn. <laughs> and in fact, when she first came back, she she contributed to the death of Ellen and Joe. I mean, she was still pretty bad, and it did. It, she did gradually change a, a little bit. And it, I agree. It, I think it had to do with Cass for for sure. And she okay, well, would have been self-serving. Mind a little. It would have been completely self-serving if it hadn't been for Cassie in my opinion. Yeah, and she wouldn't be the first person to to try and change for the sake of some kind of love or feeling over another man or woman. So, or angel, unicorn. Yeah, an angel, I love that an angel, a love for an angel changed the demon. And like she she even says in the episode, I'm a little bit good, and then she says, which sucks. And then she Mm -hmm. says, and you're a little bit bad, which is all kinds of hot. All manner of hot. Yeah, so it's, I have to <laughs> so think you there. <laughs> yeah. And I do think that's important that it's an angel, but a fallen angel, an angel who has contributed to turning his back on his garrison, almost brought forth the end of the world, brought Sam's wall down, has betrayed the Winchesters as well. So I think that worked. Like for me, that personally mm-hmm. really worked, that it is yeah. the bad angel and the good demon. Right, and I, apparently I they're not the only I, ones. Naomi and Crowley. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I and don't even know what to say. <laughs> like, like I told Vinny the other day, I think Castiel has done way more bad things than we've seen Meg mm. do. Actually, Castiel has done many, many more bad things than we've seen Meg well, do. Well, and and I thought about that after we after we talked about it, and I think. Worse or not, there were just different kinds of bad work. Where Meg's bad was always very personal. It was always about the Winchesters. Where Castiel's mm, screw-ups, let's say, were on a on a more broad scale. Where Meg had a very honed-in vendetta from the very beginning, and as a as a viewer. We view Sam and Dean as the world because we clearly know that demons aren't going to bring down our actual world. So I think we kind of feel like it's like what Cassiel has done is worse, but mm, no, they're about the same. I, you know, I just really, really love the idea of these two characters, Cassiel and Meg, who have been through hell literally. And, you know, have just had so many horrible things happen to them. They've done so many horrible things. And they were able to find something good with each other. And mm. that helped them both become better people. And, you know, I just I just really, really like that. Mm-hmm. Sam can certainly get it because he's certainly done plenty of bad things. Mm-hmm. Did our caller leave? Did our caller leave? What? Caller, are you tired? Oh. But, uh, yeah, like I was telling her, reading 
I don't I don't get Tumblr. I'm I'm sorry everybody, I don't understand it. It makes me feel terribly, terribly old. And <laughs> I mean I come from fanzine and live journal days and Tumblr just baffles my brain. I'm lucky I can tweet. But I try at, like after I write my recaps, I try to go on Tumblr after that and see what other people are saying about the episode. And I do our caller wasn't alone. I saw a lot of people being like, yeah, that Demon Angel and Meg's Irredeemable. And it is a matter of interpretation as anything is going to be. Um, exactly because, like, right. Becky I, yeah, Wait. Becky and I were saying, you know, from season four, we were going, <laughs> Meg's DL. And there were certain factions of fandom that were going, <laughs> Meg's DL. You know, there was a big chance. You know, we've been waiting four years for it. We may have never gotten it. It's it's very rare that what you perceive on a television show, you're going to actually get handed to you. And it's also mm. very rare that when you get it, you enjoy it. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. when, especially like if you have a ship that you want to sail, <clears throat> there's a, sometimes when the, when the show hands it to you, finally, you feel like, well, the show did it wrong, which we were talking about, we felt that way. I especially felt that way, like with Buffy. I know I go back to Buffy a lot, but, you know, it's all about Buffy. You, I spent years, especially when Spike was still bad, going, mm, Buffy and Spike, yeah. And then when Spike falls in love with her, I'm still going, God, Buffy, why can't you just accept him that he's, he's trying for you? And then they gave it to us, and I went, this is all wrong. I don't like it. This is stupid. Make it stop. So mm-hmm. sometimes... You have to be careful what you ask for. Um, and if our caller is still listening, too, I just want to let her know um, what she's no. doing is, you know, she, you know, what she, what she, uh, how she, she saw it and how she, her views on it, totally not wrong. You know, her views, no, you know, not at all. Every, everybody's interpretation. So her, hers are ex- as valid as any views that we have. That's what I was really badly trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) So she's still out there. Your views views are totally valid, and they're not in, you know, so, you know, just because we have different ones don't mean yours were wrong. Yeah. That's what I was really trying badly to say is, you know, when you have your idea about a character and your idea about a, a couple, and it may not be everybody's idea of it, but nobody's idea is right or wrong. Mm hmm. I guess if you're an actual writer of a show, you could tell people you're right or wrong. But <laughs> right, right. As as fan to fan, you you really can't ever. No. Yeah. It may not be your ship, but that doesn't make it any uh, any less any oh, less you, you know out she, there. It's like you know, you like it, go she, for it. Tweeted, oh, and, and I so, just saw, yeah, I just saw Artie Denise's tweet, so yay, glad we didn't offend you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you don't have to change your mind about Meg, so I'm glad no. you saw another side of it, but you don't ever feel you have to. If you think she's a horrible, irredeemable demon, I respect it. She is a demon, she is and yeah. <laughs> She even says in the episode. Hi, I'm Meg. I'm a demon, you know. Mm-hmm. I love when she tells it I'm a demon. Like, every time that she reminds them, like, I'm a demon. <laughs> you dumbass. It reminds me again that, that her Buffy is Spike. Yeah. Spike always was saying, I'm Vampire evil. Why can't, you all, why can't you all remember that? I'm evil. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. important to have a, a, a morally ambiguous character remind 
the internal characters as well as the viewers that they are morally ambiguous. Mm. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we don't get enough of that with Sam Bean and Castiel. Um, that they, I think we excuse a lot of their moral ambiguity. Because we love Sam and Dean and Castiel. Yeah, exactly. Because we, we love like them it. so much and because we see them so much. You know, they're, they are constant. Right. Um, you know, Sam and Bean every episode for the past eight years and Castiel very integral in storylines for the past four years. So you forget, you know, it's easy to forget the things that Sam has done. It's easy to forget and hand wave and, you know, the entire year he spent drinking demon blood that was really morally ambiguous. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really easy to forget how screwed up Dean came back from hell and the things that he said he did in hell. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we forget that Castiel broke down Sam's wall and then let Sam out of the panic room and, you know, Mm -hmm. he he had good intentions during season six, but, you know... It ended up with Leviathans, and that was bad. And really, out of all three of them, Dean is the most still on the. You know, Dean has done less evil things than Sam and Gaspiel. Dean still has yes. more of the good in him. You know, he's well, done more and good. Becky, you and I were talking about that because there was a lot of parallels between Swan Song, which anybody who listens to us knows how I feel about Swan Song as opposed to how the entire <laughs> world feels about Swan Song. <laughs> and and this episode, and yeah, there were really clear parallels. And I don't know if Robbie Thompson was did that on purpose or if it just happened. And I saw some people kind of upset about it, that, you know, it, it some people felt that it, it diminished what happened between, you know, Sam and Bean when... Sam had Lucifer in him for Swan Song, but I was telling Becky, I feel like it kind of cements Dean's place in things as the righteous man. He is a man that can get through. You know, he doesn't have to use his fists. He doesn't have to use a weapon to get through to the people that he cares about and that care about him. And it kind of just solidifies that that affection, that bond, that familial circle of things. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated the parallel, again, as Dean being the righteous man. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably never know if Robbie Thompson does that or not, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that was that's actually one of the other things that, that I was like, I, I was so torn because that, that's um, the scene where Cass is is punching Dean over and over and over again. And, and one thing about the scene, he's got hold of Dean's arm and it's twisted and it's holding him still. And then the other hand is with the knife is punching him over and over. And it was so swan song for me. And as you know, I love swan song. <laughs> and, and that scene was so obviously like it. I said, everything else about this episode is, is so careful and and consistent. This it, it ha- there has to be a reason that they're that they're doing this because it reminds me so much. And 
as you say, maybe it's it's Dean is the righteous man, and it's also that Cass has, like Dean says, you know, we're family, and and it was, and he wasn't going to leave family, you know, he was going to to get through to them, he was going to get them through this, and and, and I also, just, hmm. I was telling Becky, too, I have, I mean, if, you know, you put your own personal headcanon into things, but I've always been of the belief that if you provide an ultimatum, you automatically lose. So Dean is trying to reason with Castiel, whereas Naomi mm-hmm. says, choose them or me. And I've always mm-hmm. been of the belief system that the person who provides the ultimatum loses mm-hmm. because that's, yeah. the most, that's the most selfish thing to do is to provide the ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Because when you provide an ultimatum, one part of an ultimatum is clearly beneficial to you, and mm-hmm. the other side is the exact opposite of what you want, and it's usually what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a combination of the two things that I think Dean was able to get through to Castiel to make him waver with Naomi, and once Naomi made him choose, he had no choice but to choose. That was a terrible sentence. I apologize. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, mm-hmm. I think that, and Becky had said that she, had, <laughs> excuse me, I think it was, um, I think you said it was Bardic Voice who mentioned that Castiel specifically says he has to keep the tablet away from the angel and from Dean. He doesn't say yeah. from you or from humans. He says specifically you. He doesn't say you guys. He doesn't say mm-hmm. the Winchesters. It's you. And yeah, so very interesting. The theory, the theory that was batted around was Sam being part of the trials, he has to, he's the one that can close the gates to hell, and Dean would be the one to close the gates to heaven. Again, I really, going, I really, going, really like that theory. Yeah, and that's very mm-hmm. consistent with what we've dealt with for several seasons now. And so exactly. I kind of like the idea, like mm-hmm. I was telling Becky, I like the idea of Sam and Dean being the angel and devil of sitting on the shoulders mm-hmm. of the world and that they need mm-hmm. that, and that because the world requires that balance. Yeah, and it was Dean saying yes to Michael. That was so mm-hmm. important. And I thought he's always tied into the angels. When he kills Zachariah, he's looking right at him, and that would have—I think—it would have blinded or killed. It should have burned his someone eyes out. else. It should have, because we and, see, and it didn't. No, and that was that was something that I always, you know, we always waited to be addressed, and went, oh, never mind, because uh, you just uh, have to go, oh, never mind. I guess we were overthinking that one. Sorry, <laughs> but you never. <laughs> Supernatural, but if you're really familiar with the way the angels work, angels were never actually good guys. So, you know, as you're watching it, you you feel like Lucifer and Michael are both the bad guy. You don't really feel like either one is the good guy or the mm-hmm. bad guy. You kind of, you know, you pull for Lucifer a bit because Mark Pellegrino's a badass, but, you know, the reality is that they're both just angels and they're both they're they're just trying to fulfill their destiny and it's not really a, necessarily a good versus bad. It's 
it's warrior versus warrior. Mm-hmm. And Naomi specifically tells Castiel that that angel tablet can, you know, take down heaven. It can destroy heaven. So, mm-hmm. you know, all the information's there, and so they, you know, want to keep it away from Dean. And um, because that that tablet's intact, so all all Dean will have to do is take it to Kevin. Yeah, there is well, no try to figure out the other half of it. It's completely intact. And I wonder, because Naomi had Cass killing Dean, not Dean and Sam, not Sam. She had mm-hmm. Cass killing Dean. So that again, that's just something. Something is exactly I thought about that as well. Yeah. Now, when when Taft picks up the tablet, and again, and you know what, that was a little bit also to me. It's like Dean Dean picks up the box that the angel tablet is in. Why did he just leave it in there and run? No, he's got to open it up <laughs> and you know, take it out. Because like, then Taft ah. wouldn't have beat him up, and we wouldn't have had that big dramatic scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Like, why do you expect yeah. the witch to take the actual easy logical way out? They'd rather go for the pain. I know. I know. So it's not me. The episodes would be like five minutes long. It'd be like, no, no, no. That's illogical. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Never go for the anyway. kill when you could go for the pain. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that it was a very, it was like a hard to carry box, and and Cass couldn't help him no. because he couldn't touch it. He I know. It like nothing. I, it's like, I know, but I've got to do something. <laughs> Which, and I, I, I think it's hilarious that they're, you know, it's awarded against angels and blah, blah, blah. But aren't there, I mean, there's got to be human wards, right? I mean, <laughs> this no. celestial being cannot But this mere mortal of a man need only pick it up and jam it with a sword. <laughs> yeah. Really? All you got to do is pack at it with your dagger and you're good to go. I know the sword and the stone didn't even come out that easy, you know. So yeah, exactly. So I do find that anyway. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then he drops it. Okay, so anyway, it 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 falls in the big big fight, and it and the rock it's encased in shatters, and the tablet is, comes out whole and it's fine. And then uh, uh, Cass picks it up, and then there's that big blaze of light, and mm-hmm. it and it. Resets Cass out of Naomi's control. I That's wonder what it seemed like. like it, well, here it's done to him. Here's what, if you notice, when he picks it up, he appears in Naomi's office for a second, then disappears, and then she's uh-huh. yelling for him. So you know, as we as we've learned through this, you know, especially in this episode, he can, you know, he can be on Earth doing, you know, beating the crap out mm-hmm. of me. And in the same second, you know, you know, he's up in heaven and come back, and you can't, you don't see any times missing. So <laughs> I'm wondering if in that split second when he zapped out of Naomi, Naomi's office and appeared back in um, the crypt with Dean, what, what if maybe he was talking with someone higher up in heaven, like oh, I don't know, maybe the person in the angel who wrote the tablet, you know, um, Metatron possibly, and what if maybe, but if Metatron was the one who told him, you know, you have to keep this tablet away from Dean Winchester, you know. I thought it was more, I feel like it's more that when he touched it, he understood it, 
Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, like because he is an angel, it kind of connects to him. But it, it didn't have to be I, Castiel. If any angel would have touched it, which is why it's warded against angels. Well, because uh, you know the angel would want it to protect themselves. So why is it warded mm-hmm. against angels? Well, because it's in Lucifer's crypt. And anyway, but <laughs> but also you know, Lucifer is an angel, so it's warded against him as well. But he did he did disappear for a split second. Yeah, I thought it was more of the, the break in the connection where she wasn't really in his head so much as he could actually confront her. Mm. I didn't think of it so much as a as a Metatron thing, but I thought I it was can, more of the severing severing of the connection. I'm probably wrong. I'm ninety nine percent sure I'm wrong. Yeah, but I really I really, really <laughs> hope that's I think that would be so cool if that's what happened. We get, you know, yeah. in, in, a, in, a, if in a, one of the later episodes, we get a flashback and we see that's what happened. I think that would be really cool. But, yeah. You know. Because why did he suddenly, why did why did he suddenly decide to take a bus? You mm-hmm. know? Why? That's why what I don't he, understand. I was going to yeah. think about that. Because while it's a beautiful shot, it's beautiful. Why is he taking the bus? Why is he I, taking the bus? Is it that he can't zap himself places because that puts him back on the radar? I, I, you know, maybe it's it's he's not using his powers, which would show up on the angel radar. He's probably shut that's, everything down. That's the only thing I can you know? think because there's literally no reason for a angel to take transportation as pedestrian, no pun intended, mm-hmm. as the bus. Yeah. Gorgeous shot, but really strange. Yeah. And if he really wants to hide, why don't he just drive a car? You know, have his own transportation. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just completely hidden on the radar, I guess. And you kind of hide in a crowd, and, and most people on, you know, buses are sort of, or even traveling, are very involved in what they're doing and their own thing, and they're probably not paying attention to you. So I'd be a little bit concerned about the odd guy in a trench coat, you know, in the back of a bus. <laughs> I can guarantee you that if I'm on a bus, and even if I've got my earbuds in so that nobody will talk to me, I'm going to notice the weird guy in the trench coat with the bright blue eyes and the huge slab of stone. I'm going to notice that guy. <laughs> he is not going to, he's not going to slide past me. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But, you know, he, you know, there, anytime you're, anybody takes a bus regularly, <laughs> there's one weirdo that always catches your eye. There there always is. Cassie, mm-hmm. I was that weirdo. Yeah. And I, and I, and I get that it's, it's, show, but I always wonder, it's like, you guys dress basically the same all the time when you're trying not to be obvious and you're trying to hide. You think you'd change that up a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. It's particularly like, the trench coat. Like, the idea that Sam would stand out anyway at six foot five and built like a wall and Dean, too, being, you know, mm-hmm. six foot and, you know, all swagger, they stick out anyway. Then you're going to wear your uniform of, of plaid shirts and that, you know, mm-hmm. again, stick out more, I dare you. And then you've got your, your friend in the trench coat following behind you. <laughs> no. no. And, 
and you have a car, you know, that's like, uh, you know, 40-some years old and, you know, fed, since they have your very basic blend-in four-door sedan, you know, and, and I adore a baby that nothing about her blends in, <laughs> you know. No, for, because uh, she should probably, you know, if she wanted to blend in, she'd at least be a Ford. <laughs> you know, she would at I, least be a, she'd be a Ford Taurus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ford Taurus would be the the blend-in car, and that's that's what we've always had. Russ and I, we've yeah. had Ford Tauruses for years, and it's like, and, and so, yeah, it's the blend-in car. That's the kind of car that you walk out into a parking lot, and you're like, wait, which one's mine? Wait. It's the Star yeah. Mulder and Scully always rented, too. So. Well, that's the, the, typical, the typical law enforcement cars are, are Fords. Mm-hmm. Um, Dodge as well, but usually Ford, and they're almost always Tauruses. Because they're very dependable cars, and yeah. they blend. Mm. So, you know, you've got your, your Chevy Impala that's, like you said, 40-odd years old. I'm not doing mm. math right now. Sorry. Wait, I'm 46 years old? My math sucks. Yeah, well, she's 67. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No calculator. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a whole lot of sore summons going around. But... Yeah, I did. I did. I was super curious about Castiel on the bus, but I forgive it because it was a really nice shot. It was At beautiful, but you know, you know the the song fades away as as he's going on the bus and they go through the tunnel and through the mountain. And I just just for a moment, I had like a little bit of a Buffy moment, and I was expecting to see all the trees like really shrivel and die as he was going <laughs> underneath them. <laughs> I was too busy going, Vancouver's pretty. (laughs) I was worried the bus was going to disappear, is what I thought. I was like, the bus is going to, you know, Mm -hmm. the music faded away. It's like, the bus isn't going to come up from the other side of the tunnel. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. That's your your X-Files pocket right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely X-Files. Yeah, well, it's good um, that the episode got so many different, like, thoughts and reactions and possibilities. And, well, and, and actually, a fairly yeah. simple scene of a man on a bus driving down the road. Oh, so, yes, good. But there's a lot good. to think about with that. And, and like you said before, you know, everything Robbie Thomas did about this episode was very careful. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to assume that everything has a reason. Mm-hmm. Now, Dogs were mentioned quite a bit in this, and some people were saying that, again, like the, there was so much about the episode that was so careful. Was it an accident or just happenstance that dogs are brought up from from Crowley and his hellhound to, you know, Meg basically summing up Sam's year off the same way Dean did, you know, that Sam had a dog. I will forever love that line and the delivery of wait what do you don't get Mm -hmm. is you you hit a dog and you stop why yeah (laughs) I am saying after all that story that's your takeaway which I understand (laughs) but again it's that whole I'm a demon duh because that would be the thing that would perplex her out of all of it wait wait you didn't just keep going you had a conscience about it weird (laughs) and I thought I thought that was really awesome, but <laughs> excuse me, I do you know, we have to, I feel like we have to talk about the unicorn thing, which I think, this is what I think is funny and feel free to disagree with me everybody 
<laughs> she says that it's a rare a rare thing to that, you know, a woman got Sam to give up the life. But I feel like every time a serious girl comes around, the Winchesters are like, yep, I'm out. I'm done. I don't mm. feel like it was a fair thing. And maybe it's because, I, you know, the character of Amelia didn't go the way I had wanted her to. And in the end, I didn't feel like the character was anything special. Um pretty girl, but I didn't feel like the character was special. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you get, you know, Sam was going to give up everything for Jess, Dean gave up everything for Lisa, you know, and we're just going to give up everything for a girl all the time. Which, okay, fine, whatever. But I do like that Meg's the only one that really, really had a unicorn. Yes, I, I, her, yeah. For her to the one that gets it, you know, there was Cassie, there was Lisa, there was Jess, there's Amelia. But for Meg, there was only Cassiel. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I enjoy that, you know, of everybody, it's the demon that really, really had to find something rare and special for mm-hmm. her to even consider doing a complete 180 on herself. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that scene, when, you know, when she's talking about when um, Born Under a Bad Sign, when she was possessing Sam, and she says, I know, you know, what your deep, dark secret that you don't tell anybody, all your feelings, which, by the way, I love how she said feelings, (laughs) uh, you know, that you want to live a normal life. And I'm like, duh, we've known that since the very first Mm. episode. You know, that's not a big, deep, dark secret. Everybody's known that since the pilot. (laughs) But I do think it's important that Meg knew it, not because she was told or shown it, but she knows exactly what Sam envisions. Mm -hmm. Right, It's one thing for Dean to taunt Sam about wanting a normal life. It's one thing for Sam to go out and try to do it. But it's another thing for Meg to actually see what Sam perceives that to be, especially mm-hmm. at a point where he had lost Jess and not met Amelia. Right. Well, but, so, but when um, born under a bad time, he hadn't even like met Madison yet, had he? So. Mm, no. Yeah. So she's she's not along. That's right. Before. Um, and Although I. Although he had I, met Sarah. Yeah, I really like how she said before Heart, wasn't it? I believe it was. It was like a couple episodes before. One of the bad before, was... before Heart, but uh, Provenance is season one. So he had it. Right, least... Sarah. He had met Sarah, right, right. He had pondered a female already. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, again, going with my theory, had it been more distance from the jesting, I think Sam would have been far more tempted to stay with Sarah, I I think a lot of it was it was just too close to his his vengeance his vengeance um, on Jessica's death. Because I like again, Meg. We'll hang it all up for a female every time. Yeah, I like how Meg can just can just gets you know right to the point at Sam and says, "Now I know why Crowley calls you Moose." <laughs> <laughs> Which again, very a lot of continuity. Moose. Yeah. Um, 
that is, you know, it's one of those things, you know, Sam and Dean are like angel tablet, and I really was like, oh, God, you guys still don't know about that? Jeez, why do you talk about these <laughs> actual, literal, last people on earth to find out about an yep. angel tablet? Like, we all figured that out before the show even told us. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I like so, Crowley calls you moose. Where were, yeah, where were Sam and Dean when, when Sandom was going, so there's a demon tablet. There's probably an angel tablet, right? <laughs> so, I, I, well, you know, they've been hitting the head quite would, a few times, so. <laughs> oh, one of my friends, one of my one of my friends was watching the episode today, and she was texting me as she was watching it. And she texted me, she's like, God, Sam is so dense. And I was like, because she's a, she's a Castiel fan, Castiel girl all the way, you know. And she likes to make fun of Sam because she knows Sam's my favorite. And so I'm like, <laughs> I, oh, no, I, I know exactly what friend you mean. <laughs> yes, okay, the other Becky. <laughs> yes, the other Becky. <laughs> And so I was telling her, but he's got 174 on his L side. And she said, I've got four degrees, and they don't mean anything. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> the, <price laughs> has, the, ar- the little arguments we have, it's so funny. Yes. Um. I also, I know that I'm just being a big old Meg fangirl, and I'm sorry for anybody that could care less about Meg, but frankly, you'll never have to hear me do this again because, you know, thanks, Robbie, for killing her. Um, But I also like that when they're talking about the trials and she tries to ask about the trials, that they all just shut her down, and the look on her face is like, God. And I do like that. I do like that they acknowledge it, and the Castiel says, "I can't fix you." Because, again, going with continuity, you, those are the kind of things that you need to say. Because as fans watching the show, we're like celestial being; he can fix anything. You have to make a note of saying, "I can't fix you." Yeah, that mm-hmm. is, that was a very yeah. That was like. This is not good for Sam, you know. This is putting Sam yeah. in a pretty bad place. And you, you know, you would, I would think that you know, being successful in the first uh, trial, that it would make him stronger to be able to, to you know, whatever shot up his arm there or whatever. And it's apparently gave him trial tuberculosis. Would <laughs> also at least give him some. You know, make him stronger. You know, woohoo! Congratulations, you passed the first trial. Here's some strength. No. And, you know, to fight the second trial, but apparently, no, it makes you weaker. So I'm like, hmm. I think of it as this: like anybody who, I'm, you know, all video games, but anybody who played Legend of Zelda, when you went to fight the big boss, you usually, at least the first time you did it, you you got past each boss, you lost almost all your hearts. And it's not until you complete, like, then you get your extra heart and then your hearts fill up. So I figure, like, when Sam finishes all the trials, then he'll get his extra heart and his 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 fairy oh, fountain potion. I love that. That is awesome. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's what I'm going to mm-hmm. go with. So, that. Zelda theory. That, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my child of the 80s. Uh, 
rationalization right there. The the first two trials are just the little mini bosses that you meet in the castles, and then exactly. But when you actually get to and remember, like there's oh there's that one in um oh I can't remember which series it was. There's the one for the Super Nintendo, but there was that one with the with the worms that you had to hit their tail, and there was (gasps) in that one. In that oh one, God, you, had that fight, you had to fight the two. You had to. You got to the first one, and you killed him, and you thought he was the boss, and no. And then you got to another one, and there was two of them, and you thought, I got him, and he was not the boss. And then you got to the third one, which was the big one that went super fast, and he was the boss. There you go. Oh, I, hated, I hated that worm. Yes, I know, I know exactly <laughs> no, what you're talking about. <laughs> With that the little balls. He was made up of little balls, and you had to hit his tail. Yep. Which is probably like I don't know how many times I've equated Supernatural back to Legend of Zelda. I used to feel that way about um, the Roadhouse. Like it was like the fairy fountain. Like you can't. Like, oh yeah, always went back. They always went back so, to their their fairy fountain in Hyrule, and like, no, it didn't work that way. So yes, it's the mission that matters. But yeah, I feel like once he gets through all of it, then there will be some kind of strengthening after you, because it, it is one of the things, you know, you're theoretically, when you go through trials, it is, it's a trial of strength as well, of physical and mental. So if he gets stronger for each trial, then it's not really a trial. It's a reward. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. We'll go with of course. now. I'm sure in like three episodes I'll be proven supremely wrong, but, you know, <laughs> for now you can So usually when you get through all the trials and, and it's all done and you've accomplished it, you also die. <laughs> no, I made it all the way through Zelda. I made it, no, through, no, I made it through A Link to the Past, one, two. Uh, I never finished Ocarina of Time, my bad. I, I, I was just uh, talking no. in general about any, any <laughs> character that goes through trials. I know. Sometimes, sometimes your final well. reward is death. I mean, you succeed and you do what you need to do, but it'll it'll kill you in the process. That's probably what Supernatural is going for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, who's to say Sam won't die? He'll just come back, so no big. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he very may well die. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> Again. <laughs> okay. But it's funny. Cass, Cass said that whatever was wrong with him that he couldn't fix was on a subatomic level. And, again, it reminded me, going back to Buffy, remember her um, when she came back and there was something wrong with her because Spice had hit her? Uh-huh. And Tara said mm-hmm. it was like a. a well, she called it a sunburn, like a... Um, yeah, like it changes your genetic composition. You're still you, yeah. but it's, just, it's like one shift to the side. And that's what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they, we've got six episodes left after this one. So mm-hmm. not going to have too many more... Not filler, but or maybe well, kind of in a way. I would like, expect that really... there should be at least one more filler. Mhm. 
Well, next week yeah. looks like it's going to be a filler. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll say at least the last three or four should really be big time, big time episodes. And of course, mm-hmm. the last two will be huge, but I'm curious as to whether and. I hope, I kind of hope it doesn't, but knowing that Misha's already going to be a regular, I wonder if if we're not going to get a resolution to this arc in this season, if it's going to continue on to the next season. Mm. Because we've spent all this time on one trial. You know, Sam's still only done one trial. Mm-hmm. There hasn't even been any mention of what the second trial will even be, let alone the third. So I well, wonder if it's going to be a continuation of sorts. Hmm. I would think the third trial would be the season finale. Whether it'll be resolved, who knows, but it could easily carry over till next season. We'll get a ginormous cliffhanger, I'm sure, whatever happens. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've had had plenty of time to think it up. (laughs) They've got their early (laughs) They've had lots of time, and the writers are just an evil bunch. (laughs) So I'm sure it's... Oh, the the other Becky just texted me. She had a really good idea, you know, at the end scene where Dean said, you know, I can carry you. Um, mm-hmm. Becky just texted me and said, I think they should have played He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Hey, that, you know, that's, that's a good that's idea. Always been, yeah, that's always been um, a sad yep. Dean song for me. Ever since I started watching this show, I was like, you know, they'll never, ever, ever get the right to use that song. But, oh, it would be glorious if they could. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, did you like the choice of Supertramp? Goodbye, Stranger. Yeah, I think the lyrics work that. really well. I'm yeah. a fan of Supertramp, though. I actually have the original vinyl of, of Breakfast in America around here somewhere. Um, I've, I've never been really, a huge fan either, but this was, it, it really worked. Yeah, it, it, it worked. The lyrics worked. Um, the cover of this uh, album, the Supertramp, has, it has Manhattan pictured on it. Using and it's built up Manhattan, and I oh my goodness, I just realized it has the World Trade Center, of course, because it's very old. It's in the seventies, I think, eighty, eighty mm-hmm. maybe. And it has they're all dishes, they're all white, but they're all breakfast dishes, you know, salt and pepper shakers, coffee pods, coffee cups, that sort of thing. It's a dimensional map of of Manhattan that way, and it reminds me of the same sort of dimensional map in the basement. Oh that yeah, the Sam and Dean were were mm. looking at also, which was really which, cool and really. That was it. Wasn't that three D that um, person's map of the town that was in the basement? What didn't they um, do that um, fashion that after the one in Back to the Future that Doc had? Um, I think Jim Michaels was kind of hinting in that hinting mm-hmm. that on his Twitter because mm-hmm. he worked on Back to the Future. Oh so. yeah, uh, that works too. Which, speaking of that map, those little bags of dirt, that was super creepy. That was yeah. creepy, yeah. It's like, why did that person keep the little bags of dirt? You know, what, what did she get from that? I didn't. I don't even see what a demon, I don't even see what a demon could have gotten out of those little bags of dirt, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I wonder what else Lucifer's hidden around in his crypts. You know, because that, that's yeah. a new thing. And I don't think it's it's not an illogical step. You would think there would be around somewhere, but... And there has to, you know, they could have come up with any demon for the crypts. You know, they could have been Azazel's crypts. You know, they could, mm-hmm. you know, but, they, but the writer specifically made them Lucifer's crypts. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would like to know... Why? Yeah, and there are Lucifer's yeah. crypts that, you know, yes, Dean makes his case for why Sam can't, isn't going with him because <clears throat> Sam's compromised, but it's also the fact that Sam is, he doesn't get to mm. go into Lucifer's crypt, and I think that, I don't know, that's, that was mm-hmm. something that I could, like, it's just one of those weird feelings you get about things. Where it's like mm-hmm. in Lucifer's crypt, you're not allowed in. You're too close to that. Hmm. So even though that's not the reason that Dean gives, I wonder. You know, again, we see where going back to the beginning of the episode, it's not Castiel fighting the brothers; he's only fighting Dean. Yeah, it would have been interesting if Sam had still had some kind of thin little tie to Lucifer and been able to find the crypt or get in or something. You know, right, because he, right, right. Meg was in Meg had possessed Sam so she knew some things, you know, about Sam, you know, Lucifer was in Sam's head. Mm-hmm. So you would think, you know, there would be, you know, Sam would know some things about Lucifer. Not necessarily because Meg knows Sam because she was in, in Sam's head, but Sam doesn't know Sam Meg. doesn't know Meg, right, right. So, same thing. Lucifer was in Sam's head. He knows Sam. Sam doesn't know Lucifer. Mm. Which is an interesting thing. But he was stuck in the cage. I had never thought about. They were stuck in the cage together, though. So... Where well, Adam still is, by the way. Adam's still <laughs> yes. there. Yes. <laughs> yes, Adam's still stuck in the cage, you know. Adam is. <laughs> you know oh, Going back to Buffy fandom, remember how everyone, like, anytime somebody would mention Devin because they really like Devin, and everyone would go, who's Devin? Because everyone would forget about Devin. That's who Adam is. Adam is the Devin of this show. Oh, shut up. He is not. He's a brother. <laughs> He's a Winchester. He's a Zeppo. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he is the Devin. So. He's a Zeppo. I'm so sorry, but he's Devin. No, even the Zeppo had more to do. He was, he was the Chuck Cunningham. He watched, watched Happy Days. Richie's little Chuck brother Cunningham? went upstairs and never came down. Oh, yeah, Chuck. That's, that's the worst insult ever, calling Adam the Chuck Cunningham. Oh, I'm so insulted. That's just terrible. But accurate. <laughs> yeah, accurate. unfortunately. Unfortunately, very accurate. Yeah. Oh, well. He's fine. Don't worry. He's a very strong kid with a very strong angel inside of him. He's fine. His brain's probably soup now, but he's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question about they really can't they really can't ever bring Adam back. Because look at how Sam was after the after the cage. Adam's been there for 
going on years, years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a lot of centuries and how there that that kid there's no coming back to that kid. Sorry, Becky. Uh, oh, or maybe they can just the tell most, us, you know, the most. Oh, we tried to save him, but he was much. Do for oh. Adam is leave him in the cage. Mm-hmm. They 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 could at least you know have somebody say we tried to save him, but sorry he was much. That would be I would be fine with that. Just somebody you know try find out what is his status. <laughs> they know his status worse than Sam was. That's his status. <laughs> worse um, than crazy face Sam. Oh poor Adam. I wonder if Crowley would ever think, "Hey, I've got a spare Winchester hanging around. Maybe I'll break him out of the cage and <laughs> use him for something." But, you know. Maybe Crowley can because remember. Adam is possessed by Michael, which is not on the side of Crowley. So maybe Crowley has no access. It would but be interesting to see if Naomi could pull that ship. Mm. But do we know? We don't know if Michael's still in the cage or not. Michael could have gotten out. Well, but I think it was, either way, Adam is that vessel. So it would be more of something that Naomi could barter with. Of course, you and I know. You were told specifically. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you were personally and specifically told no. <laughs> Actually, you were told Wait. who? <laughs> yeah, they were like, we never even think about him. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't register. Sorry. <laughs> who? Oh, yeah, him, no. <laughs> that was so funny and so sad, but it was so funny. It's like, nah, we don't even think about him. <laughs> like, oh. Oh, that was the best. <laughs> Oh, not him. No, we don't think about him. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, oh, well, I have Adam. I have a question about Poor Crowley. Yeah. I have a okay. Thing about Crowley. Um, he's he's talking to Naomi, and he mentions having a history with her back in Mesopotamia. Yes. Now, a previous episode, so Crowley supposedly is four hundred years old, which is not nearly old enough to have been back in Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a couple of reasons there. There's demons lie. And I've always thought 400 was way too young to be Crowley with that kind of knowledge and stature and everything else. To me, he is just ancient. He was head crossroads demon. And that well, was the least of his Yes title. and no. Because you have to think about sometimes it being... If you think of it in terms of a job, sometimes it's not the person with the most seniority that rises to the top and becomes a CEO. It's the person mm-hmm. who's the shrewdest business person. Mm-hmm. Usually, people with seniority get stuck in middle management forever. So I, at the time when we got Crowley's history of sorts, I totally bought the fact that he was not an old demon. Mm-hmm. But I I you know, can see your reason. So but even at the yeah. time before any of this happened, I said four hundred. That's way too young. Just just in in the basic, it's just not enough. Because and not only that, but here's my other you know my other rationalization mm-hmm. was he's four hundred Earth human topside years, but we know that when you're down below, time doesn't work that way. Mhm. So he's had 
centuries upon centuries upon centuries in hell. Mm-hmm. But still, that that doesn't match up with him. That doesn't match up with him and Naomi being yeah. in Mesopotamia. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm saying, like, the 400 years thing, that's why that totally worked for me at the time. But now him mentioning the Mesopotamia thing, I'm like, that's the cradle of civilization. Like, no, mm-hmm. that's B.C. That makes no sense. Yeah, there's yeah, something something's going on. And there. I have to say that um, personally, I'm not super stoked about the idea of Crowley and Naomi knowing each other and you know on an intimate level apparently. And I mm. don't like it, but that's because you know to be honest, I don't like Naomi. Not nothing. Not not that I don't like Amanda Tapping. This is the only thing I've ever seen her in, and she's playing the part spectacularly because I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm supposed to. I'm not supposed to like her, so, you know, thumbs up to her. But I really, really don't like Naomi. Well, I and this is like the first role I've actually really loved Amanda Tapping in. I think she's doing a great job. I am was I am not a fan of Sam Carter from Stargate, and I, and I am a Stargate fan. I, I couldn't watch Sanctuary. I just couldn't deal with it. I am not a fan of of her acting. Um I've never met her at a convention or anything like that, but she so far she's been. I'm just not a fan of her of her characters, but I I I love the character of Naomi as she plays her. She is that evil. She's doing a wonderful job. So yes, I, I was not a yeah, fan, she, and now I think she's doing great at this. She's yeah. doing a a spectacular job because everybody absolutely hates her. So mm-hmm. you know. She's usually, yeah, usually there's some kind of, you know, where you get people going, I love this character, I hate this character, and you're going, yeah, but they're evil, you're supposed to hate them, and people are going, no, you know, see above, re above, Meg. Yeah, people mm-hmm. love Lucifer, you know, so. Yeah, we mm-hmm. love Lucifer, you know, there's a portion of us that love Meg, but I have not seen one single pro-Naomi post anywhere. Mm-mm. So if anyone yeah. has, point me to it because I'd love to read their rationalization. <laughs> but, you know, aside from the fact that everyone's going, good job at making me hate you, and it's not even a, on a wooby level. It's not that, oh, you're you're hurting Castiel. I just think you're a terrible, terrible angel. Mm-hmm. You're, you are that upper management jackass. Mm-hmm. I want to see who who else is in her in her. Uh, yes, group. You know who? Yes, else is I want to know who she's working with. Yeah, me too. I want to know who she's working for because she's not the CEO. She is. She's mm-hmm. the VP. She's the VP. Mhm. <coughs> she might even just be like the district manager, but she's definitely not the head honcho. So I'd love to know who's pulling her strings, or if she, yeah. you know. She is mm-hmm. a form of cahoots with Crowley. Is she going? Is she on a rogue mission? Mm-hmm. Much in the way that you know, you know, you're. Maybe it's Michael. Maybe it's Michael. <laughs> you know what? If it's Michael, that's still not Adam. So, <laughs> but hey, you know, I remember that storyline. <laughs> no, sorry, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we saw one of her 
her employees at the end of the episode because they're mm-hmm. obviously looking for Cass and she comes in and she shakes her head and now she may not know the real reasons behind it or Aileen may have told her something different, but there there is somebody else that answers to, to Naomi. So mm-hmm. Yeah. But I am um, curious to see if the if the Crowley Naomi thing will be fleshed out and explained, but I I agree with you. The Mesopotamia thing really threw me out of that. Mm-hmm. That was weird. Yeah, because I started okay. overanalyzing that, and I stopped paying attention to what they were saying. Because it would be very hard for me to believe that Crowley would put on a show about a set of bones that aren't his in the previous episode. I would need some kind of rash, like some kind of justification for that, some some form of explanation. So you know, and yeah, that was too huge of a thing for them to forget about. You know that, yeah, whole especially episode. when you have a fan favorite like Crowley that people do just, you know, we and, know about we know Crowley because we care, we pay attention. And they have Kevin Parks on set who was, you know. There to say, whoa, that can't happen because this happened in this episode. Kevin Parks mm-hmm. knows everything, so. I mean, for example, <laughs> if you ask me how old Adam is, I'm just going to tell you younger than Sam. But because I didn't pay attention and I didn't care. However, Crowley, that's different. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of surprised that everybody left Meg behind at the end. I mean, Cass left. You're surprised. I'm pissed. Well, uh, that too. You know, I was. I I couldn't believe it. I said, I know. Yes, Meg, Demon, Bala, but she she did. She she even told Sam, you know, go, you know, go save your brother and my unicorn, you know. And so there was a, a enough there for them to at least try. Or something yeah, that, that I know was, it. That was basically like her plea for acceptance and redemption. Mm-hmm. Because and she's basically saying, save Castiel so that I can be good. Mm-hmm. And, and even Cass left the worse car without than Sam and Dean leaving her behind. Cass left her behind. Yeah, well, Unless, and Cass I can understand because he's got a, a higher mission right now, but Sam and Dean getting in the car and speeding off and not getting, like, number one, that, running well, from Crowley. Yes, mm-hmm. that's my point. That's what I wanted about, to say. When do they run? From, well, you know, we were talking about that. Since when do they run from Crowley? They mm-hmm. have been running this episode, and then there was one I forget which one, but not long, not not a very recent episode, where you know, as soon as Crowley is mentioned, they're running. And it's like, since when do they run from Crowley? Mm-hmm. So I want to know why are they suddenly running from Crowley when before now they would stand around and snark with him for a while, you know? So why are they mm-hmm. suddenly running from him? You know, they have to know that they are not going to find Castiel anytime soon. He disappeared before he had something to protect, and he flat out told Dean, I heard you. Mm-hmm. I didn't come to you. And it's not the first time. You can, you can argue the Naomi thing, but it's not the first time that they've prayed to Cass and, oh, I actually called him Cass. I never do that. Um, and he didn't show. Not a first. So, but yeah, I was actually really upset that they were 
they just got in the car and left Meg behind again. She took bullets for you guys. You didn't look for her. She came back, and you left her behind with Crowley. Yeah. So when they came out, he... Meg, as they came out, so I, I don't know if they tried to do anything. They, it would have. No, they were already in the car. No, they were in the car, yeah, because Sam turned around. Sam and Dean turned around. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can see the look of shock on Sam's face when. Yeah, because when Sam was in the car, and that's when she says, No, Castiel. Mm hmm. And it's before, she, it's before she even stabs Crowley. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's. I, yeah. That's Which good on Meg me. for actually getting a shot in on Crowley. She yeah, I mean, I, missed all the soft parts, but what a badass. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still holding out the teeniest bit of hope. And maybe she's not dead. You know, cause, yeah, we saw her fall and she looked dead on the she looked really dead on the ground, but we've seen <laughs> the demons get stabbed and light up and not and, and still live, so I mean, you know, because they were just stabbed in the wrong place. So, you know, I'm 99.9% sure she's dead, but that one-tenth of a percent chance, I'm like yeah, hoping. I mean, I'm going to go with she's dead, but whoever really dies, so that's mm-hmm. fine. If they bring her back, I'm certainly not going to complain. I can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. She, I would be, but, I would be really bummed if it's not, you know, Rachel Minor because... One of the things I really liked about Meg is I've enjoyed both actresses. <clears throat> I've enjoyed both actresses. I love Meg mm-hmm. Haas and I, I love Rachel Miner. So I think it's you know it's it's a combination of the writing and the actresses that have made me really love Meg. So I would mm-hmm. be sad to not have not have and, her back. And she's our last connection to the first season, besides Sam and Dean, of course. You know, yeah. Bobby's gone. Bobby's gone. So the last recurring character we had from the first season, it was Meg. So I just, you know, absolutely hate that the last connection we had mm-hmm. to the first season is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to go with her being dead because she, her her face flashed. Yes, it did. But maybe, you know, it was just, you know, temporary. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was just, yes, it's a lot of pain, but, you know, you're not dead. So, um, you know, like I said, 99.9% chance, sure, she's dead, but I'm going to hold on to that one-tenth of a percent chance, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be honest. This show has very rarely made me cry. Um, TV, as a rule, doesn't make me cry, except uh, except Doctor Who. I, I'm a smotty growth mess during Doctor Who. Um which Becky can attest to. She's she's seen it. I witnessed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting. That that show gets me right right in the emotional chamber. But yeah, Meg getting stabbed, I cried. I cried because and it was part you know it's partly that that I love the character, but it's like Becky was saying, it's that that connection. It's she's just she she was a constant. Mm-hmm. And. You 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 just lost that last part of season one. You you know, she was the last little piece. I wonder if Crowley could bring her back because he was having so much fun torturing her all year. Maybe he doesn't quite <coughs> want to give up his favorite chew toy just yet. 
Yeah, I'm I mean, another dog maybe. reference. If anybody could resurrect her, if anybody could resurrect her, it would be Crowley. Um, mm-hmm. I would venture to say, and I was talking about this too, as much as I love Crowley, and I was having this conversation with my mother, who my mother's favorite characters of all time are Castiel and Crowley. They Sam and Dean don't even come close <laughs> to Castiel and Crowley for her. She's like, whatever, brothers, they're nice and all. And I just tell you, I'm like, you know, I love Crowley too, but it's 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 time for Crowley to go. It's mm-hmm. that's just too long to have the same big bad. It's too long. Well, and well, we'll of course see. she she <laughs> shut me down real quick, so <laughs> she she wasn't she wasn't hearing that. Uh, uh, but I, I I do personally feel that way. So if he's going to resurrect Meg, it should be soon because I think his clock is ticking too. I I remember back in Cage Heat when we thought that they had killed Castiel when Meg burnt when Castiel burnt what we thought was his bones, you know, and it looked like mm-hmm. Castiel was dead. I was like, ooh, does this mean Meg could be the new queen of hell? You know, I thought that would mm-hmm. be. Um, oh but, yeah. You know, <clears throat> that would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, with that theory, like you know, speaking of Castiel being dead, you know. God brought him back, theoretically the only one that can bring Meg back would be Crowley, and it would make sense. Mm-hmm. That, you know, he's like, you know, I, I killed you out of reflex, but really I'd like to torture you a bit more and maybe braid <laughs> your hair. I didn't get the chance to do that. <laughs> I'd, I'd so, like to put some highlights. I'd like, you know, I've really been wanting to learn how to put highlights in people's hair. So, you know, I want to experiment with the highlighting. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Crowley's going with cornrows, you know, Bodier <laughs> cornrows. It's time for Meg. That's the that that's that's that humiliation. <laughs> that would be too evil, yes. That would be so evil. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. But one thing we haven't discussed, and I think we should, because I'm super proud of the character for it, I'm really proud of Dean saying he's tired of people lying to him and demanding Uh honesty, because that's a huge growth for the character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I like that instead of something being secret all season long, and you're like, oh, my gosh, how come (laughs) everybody knows, but it's like... It's like he noticed Sam being not well and lying about him. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of watching and biding his time. And, and um, thank goodness, you know, Sam's consumption didn't stay a secret all this time, you know. And, well, and I, I, mean, I, I appreciate Sam as well. Again, growth for the character, but he didn't try to mm-hmm. talk off about it. He, he copped to it and said, you know, yep. yes, this is going on, and I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm not going to keep things from you anymore. Um, right. What I did think about it, and I totally thought of, you know, I haven't even brought this up, Susan, when Dean um, paraphrased Lord of the Rings and said, you know, Rudy, uh, Rudy, Frodo, mm-hmm. uh, Rudy Sam always gets a pass, Rudy Hobbit always Rudy gets a pass. Rudy Hobbit always gets a pass. I was thinking about us talking about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, how we were like, no, I don't even care. <laughs> So, apparently, Dean is a better geek than we are. <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, oh, Lord of the Rings. Figures, but, and, but, 
you know back that. in se- back in season five when they got the first um, horseman ring. Remember, Dean even said, you know, so what should we do? Go drop it in Mount Doom, you know. So he mm-hmm. even referenced it back in season five. Yeah, yeah. so we well, we know that, but I, I it's funny because. When he says, you know, he says, I may not be able to carry your burden, but I can carry you. And Sam and I, at about the same time, said, wait, oh, me you too. know, it's Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> I did the same thing. I went, wait a second. Mm. <laughs> and what I love is, what I love is that those movies came out when they were separate. So I have to say that... To to reference it, but you know that they, unless they did City around the motels because it is on TNT all the F, all the freaking time for a while. Yeah. Other than that, they were both like just bumming around watching it while sounds in college and Dean's doing whatever because those movies were like 2001 to 2003. Mhm. So I just I like I, little stupid things like that. I have to I have to confess that. I had no idea it was from Lord of the Rings until Sam said that. <laughs> 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 I just thought, oh, that's such a song. I love that old Dean. I love you. But, oh, I you are a terrible geek. I actually, I it's, like, it's like so guy. Dean to like borrow like somebody else's reference to like get across his his own kind of like you know emotional thing, and he, actually usually he he writes his own sort of things like that. But but I, but it's it, it just got the point across for him, and I don't mind that he used it. I, I think Sam appreciated it too. He gets it, you know. He totally under, understood. I mean, he had to tease him. You know, it was like a it, it's a chick flick moment, but they didn't take it too seriously. But Sam does know and appreciate exactly what Dean's. And you would expect Dean to, I was expecting, when he started to say it, like right before he finishes the quote and you have that Lord of the Rings click, I was waiting for him to like like really paraphrase, bastardize, carry that weight by the Beatles. So I was prepared for that. And then when he went Lord of the Rings, I went, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that he, he completely justifies it by saying, you know, Rudy Hobbit. Uh, the fact that he calls him Rudy Hobbit is the best thing in life. Yes, the Rudy Hobbit. Like you called him I Rudy did. Hobbit. I did get the Rudy Hobbit thing. Sean asked him Rudy, <laughs> and you know I did know that much. So I may not have ever watched the Lord of the Rings movies, but I did know who they were talking about. So. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you know, I feel up in the movies, but watching, I, I always thought it's like, geez, the real hero of this thing is this is. Sam, the Rudy Hobbit, you know, I didn't call him Rudy Hobbit, but, but he's the real <laughs> hero. It's like, you know, Fooey on Frodo, and he's nuts, and, and yeah, okay, Aragorn. Actually, Legolas is my favorite, but I'm like, boy, if you really want something done, man, you give it to the Sam, <laughs> Sam, Samwise. He's a Sam, Hobbit. Samwise, one's got to do it. Yes, yes, they, they go right through. Yeah, so, so it's like, But yeah, I love the funny. idea of Dean being able to quote Lord of the Rings and having watched Rudy, because I... That's that's one of those tear like yes it's a sports movie but it's a tearjerker sports movie and so yeah Dean mm-hmm. sitting around watching you know Rudy mm-hmm. also makes me very happy enough mm-hmm. to know associate. I like that Dean reads Dean reads Vonnegut 
Tolkien. Oh, I will forever love the writers for doing that. And Busty Asian Beauty. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it just, it's like a little bit of everything. <laughs> I He's a real renaissance him. man. I will forever love he the writers is. for giving uh, Dean, you know, the Vonnegut, uh, I don't want to call it a fetish, that's just all weird, the penchant for reading Vonnegut. I will, I think that's, because, and it goes, again, you know, you think of Dean as this, this or Dean thinks of himself as such a dumb guy, but clearly not, clearly not. Uh, and far nerdier than he ever wants to admit. Mm. Yeah. Possibly nerdier than Volu- his nerd of a brother. Voluptuous, voluptuous Asian lovelies, that's the name of the magazine. <laughs> I've got that scene so playing right now. So. <laughs> yeah, so very proper. I'd like to know how many, you know, they're sitting there, okay, bust the Asian beauties. How can we make it sound vintage, you know? <laughs> I'd like to know what they were sitting around. And I think Robbie Thompson, I think, even tweeted that Jensen had some um, say I in that. I saw that, yeah. He did say that Jensen had some part in that. Hmm. Something for something for somebody to ask Jensen at the next convention, which is not super far away. You know, he his love of Asian women. You know, but we've yet. I don't think we've ever seen him with an Asian girl. No. You know, so it's like I hope when all this is said and done, and you know, you know, they're on their. You you know, hope he can with I hope he Asian. gets his Asian. I hope he gets his busty Asian girlfriend. <laughs> I would like to think that he will settle down with a voluptuous Asian lady, uh, <laughs> a voluptuous Asian lovely, and maybe Mrs. Chan. Yeah, I mean, you know, he well, can I think Chan, I think that he's afraid of the reality because you know the reality never matches your fantasy and. And yeah, you know, busty Asian beauties is his fantasy, so I don't know if he'd ever like want. The reality, because then it would be well, you know, away from. But we've never even seen him pick up an Asian girl. He did. Remember, he when um, he was testing Kevin's headphones. You know, he was telling him how hot he thought his mom was. So he does. But he's think never, he's no, no, he's never gone. Yeah, he's never picked up an Asian girl. But no. I can recall, he's never gone out and made that. Well, his, Mrs. Tran is available. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know, we need to get Lauren Tom back on the show. <laughs> if Kevin doesn't Lauren kill him. <laughs> I would love to see a, you know, a, I, I would love, I think it would be hilarious to have Dean kind of like flirting with Mrs. Mrs. Chan and she just say something that just like, so it was like, whoa, you know, freaks out Dean and like, you know, she's like the bigger badass than, than Dean. And mm. I, I think that would be hilarious. That, right that. Robbie Thompson, you know, listening. Write that scene. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. We trust you to do this correctly. So it was, it was cracking me up when the demon took over the curler lady, the PhD candidate, and she was talking about, boy, the thoughts she has about you two, and especially <laughs> you, Sam, with Sam. mutton jobs. I was thinking, but Sam doesn't have the mutton chops. He, his, his, yeah, his, his sideburns are much better this year. You know, you know. This, what's the demon talking about? He's got good sideburns this year. I still maintain that I didn't hate the mutton chops. So whatever, whatever to everybody else in their mutton hey, chop hate. I don't care what I don't care what kind of facial hair Sam went just to Jared like he has. 
he's going to be hot no matter what he's got. So, you know. <laughs> also, speaking yeah. of facial hair, and this was something that I had noticed and uh, mentioned to Becky back when all we had was the teaser. This is, in my recollection, the first time that Sam, Dean, and Castiel have all had a five o'clock shadow at the same time. <laughs> when they're when they're in when they're in uh, Curly Lady's house, Helen, Harry, I don't know, whatever her name was, um, and they're all having their little talk. They all have a five o'clock shadow. I'm not complaining. If they would like to do that for more episodes, um, I support it. I thoroughly, thoroughly support it. But mm-hmm. I, it was one of those things that caught my eye. I was like, each one of you has scruff, a little bit mm-hmm. of scruff. Keep at it. Yeah. I do like oh, no the, complaints you know, here. The season they're letting Sam be really scruffy, you know. And before you mm-hmm. know, he was always so closely shaved, and now he's, you know, he's cat. He keeps facial hair, and I, I really like that. I like it, and it's really interesting that he does it because. They have a home now, and he's yeah, less yeah. he's less meticulous now that he actually has a home. Hmm. There could be you could come up with some psychology about that. You know that would you know that would oh, be interesting. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and just the psychology alone on Dean being the one that's always been so resistant to the normal life, and yet now that he has a home of sorts, he's beyond stoked. Mm-hmm. And he's full on, you know, he is he is embracing the curtain fix trope like nobody's business. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I never thought he was that... I never thought he... he didn't want a normal life if he could. He just thought he couldn't have one, but that didn't mm-hmm. stop him from wanting one or appreciating it or or now that he's right. not really reveling in um, it, you know? Yeah, I think he always wanted it, even because he, he, he knew he couldn't have it, so he always, you mm-hmm. know, I, he always, Who you know, that, yeah, yeah. yeah, he, he, yeah, he thought, you know, it. Right, but, but he yeah, was always putting it down. I don't. <laughs> excuse me. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think it's anything that Dean could actually do or maintain, except for the fact that Sam told him to. Uh, and you know, at the end of season five, I don't think it's something Dean could do. I think he maintained as well as he could because it was his brother's last wish, but. I just feel like D would be that perpetual PTSD back from Nam. Like, no, I, I don't think he could do it. Not not that kind of life. Now, having a home the way he has now, where it's 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 a home base for him, and it's a home, but it's not a normal life home. That mm-hmm. yeah. But and I don't think and he do. it's absolutely perfect for them though. That is what I love about it. They get to have the mm-hmm. home that they never had, and it's perfect for their lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. it, it has a family history to it, and so there's the, fam- the family connection. And then Dean gets to putter around in his bathrobe and have his own room. And, and boxers. Yes. 
I, I I love Dean putting around in boxers and a bathrobe and decorating his room. That's just some of my all time favorite things. I I was rewatching that episode uh, last week, and I'm sorry, I just can't. Dean in a short robe and his boxers is <laughs> just the most hilarious scene to me. I find it so funny. I know. I love it. I just. I just love it. And we haven't, you know what? We haven't seen Sam in pajamas. We haven't even seen where Sam sleeps. Does he sleep sitting up at the table? I mean, <laughs> you'd think he was. We just haven't had a reason to see it yet. And it's very Spartan, in my opinion. There's no posters. There's nothing. It's just where he sleeps. Because I think Sam is that screwed up. Uh, he's probably got, it's probably... I see him being starting like a Bobby S. groom, you know, tons of books, and mm-hmm. where he just he's re, he's researching as he falls asleep, you know, kind of thing. But with less dust, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I really, I really, really like to think that Sam has a dust buster. It doesn't have to be a full-on uh, Dyson. I just need him to have a little dirt devil of some sort. <laughs> I, I don't know why I do. But I, in the same way that I felt like B needs to cook, I feel like Sam needs a dust buster. Okay. <laughs> now I see Sam with a Swiffer. I see Sam with a Swiffer. I don't know. And here's my know. thing with the Swiffer. Ask him what he's tall. Involve. And I'm yeah, someone who's tall, but is still almost eight inches shorter than than Jared Padalecki. I can tell you, at five foot ten, a Swiffer sucks. A Swiffer sucks. So, oh, dear. I can't imagine Sam Winchester with a Swiffer. He would be bent in half trying to do anything. And he doesn't need it to get the ceiling fan. So he doesn't well, need the Swiffer duster. Because, again, but there's also a Swiffer like, just, on a handle that you can up. dust with, you know. So, you know, you could dust with the Swiffer no, and that, not necessarily do the floor. Again, at 5'10", all I do is reach up and I can, I can get everything. So I, mm-hmm. I figure... That someone who's got seven to eight inches on me again, not good with math. Seven inches on me, yeah, seven inches on me, yeah. Because it always fascinates me when people can't reach things. Mm-hmm. I, I, oh, shut I, shut up! Like, how do you do? How do you function in your own home? <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Shut up! I don't mean it. No, I don't mean it in a B way. I mean it in like it just. I don't understand. Like, oh, whatever. If you have something <laughs> on the top cabinet, how do you get it? Do you climb the counter? What do you do? Because I just I, end up. I holler at Russ to come get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. That that makes sense. Well, I'm, I'm, then, like, I'm taller than Becky. Becky. I'm taller than Becky, but I'm shorter than Benny. I'm right in the middle. So it's like I, so I can reach a couple more things than Becky, but not nearly as much as, as Vinny can. And it is frustrating. I climb, you know, I, I, I climb on shelves, I climb on stools, on chairs, you know, whatever's around me. And, and Well, I have yeah. a friend who she's about 4'11", and her husband's Oops. only about 5'2". So I went, how do you people function? <laughs> how do you do anything? Uh, oh, I have a lot of step stools. I, yeah, I have, and I have a lot of tall guys. friends. I, I guess <laughs> I, I, those friends. are the kind of things that I that I think about, and I would imagine that those are the kind of things that 
potentially Sam Winchester and Jared Padalecki as well, completely take for granted because we're like, oh, you want that here? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, and I don't think God, you're short. I just think like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, mm-hmm. it's a really mind-blowing kind of thing for me. Yeah. But I've been this tall since I was 13, so, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of used to it. Yeah. It, it's funny. I was in I was in a Starbucks once, and there was a, a guy in front of me who was taller than Jared. I think. I mean, super tall. And 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 the, the Starbucks staff they were sort of commenting on it. Didn't really want to get you know to it because it's kind of like you're tall. Well, duh, of course, you know you knew that. But mm-hmm. but uh, but he was so tall, and he said he said the way to like how he feels that is that it's like always having somebody sitting on your shoulders. So you're like that tall, you know. Well, and I've always said because, and it's really weird because when you're tall, people feel the need to tell you you're tall, um, mm-hmm. like as if you're as if, as if you're completely unaware of your height and the fact mm-hmm. that you've been looking at the top of people's heads your whole life. I know, um, like duh. But <laughs> and the tallest guy I ever dated was six seven, so you know we were a very tall couple. But mm-hmm. it's um. I always think it's really weird that people say it where you would never tell somebody, God, you're short, or God, Mm -hmm. you're fat, or God, you're skinny, like in a, a, like, almost a freak show kind of way. But people Mm -hmm. don't tell you that you're tall in a freak show way. And you're like, geez, thanks. But they do say those other things. They do say those other things. But not to your face, Maybe not quite as often, but they do say them. Yeah, it's funny because... Very to your face. And you'd think, like, like somebody... And and it's not just, like, like fans or whatever saying it, like, to, to like, someone like Jared. Um, My friend, uh, we were at a convention, and uh, Michael Shanks, who was on Supernatural, but is pretty well-known as Daniel Jackson on Stargate. And he's about six foot tall in person. And and my my friend with me is just about six foot a uh, woman. And she said the first time she met him and went up for a picture, he, he, he just blurted out, you're tall. Because <laughs> she's a tall woman. And he and then he waits to be, and then he goes, but you knew that. <laughs> so he like, <laughs> blurted it out, but he caught himself and said, but you knew that. I think he was just a little exactly. surprised to have someone exactly. about his height look him right in the eye, you know, another woman look him right in the eye. Well, I, and that's one of the reasons, like, whenever we go to conventions, I I get to wear heels and not feel like I'm towering over anybody. Mm-hmm. So. I wore heels for, I forget what photo op it was, and they're not even my highest heels. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be taller than Jensen in these. Because in my high heels, I'm taller than Jensen Ackles. I'm still noticeably shorter than Jared Padalecki, but I'm taller than Jensen. And so it was one of those like, uh, and so at the same, that was the national convention. At the same convention, I had a photo op with, Steve Carlson later on, and I was still wearing my heels. So Jensen and I are about neck and neck when I'm in my heels. Well, in my heels, I'm taller than Steve Carlson, and I couldn't cope with it. I kicked off my heels for the for the photo op. I could not handle it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those that, you know, 
it's it is that kind of thing where as a woman I'm like, Oh, cute shoes. Do I really feel like being six three today? No, no, not really. No. Okay. Mhm. Where, you know, uh the same girl that I that I'm friends with, it's four eleven, she puts on her highest heel and she's still five three. <laughs> <laughs> Not to interrupt, but we've only got like a minute left or so. So, oh, left. In conclusion, yes. Okay. In conclusion, Sam Winchester and a Swiffer is a bad back idea, and he <laughs> needs his back to be. In, and he needs his back for hunting. That that was my whole yeah. point. Yeah. And I'm sorry because we we went on a tangent there. Um. Well, we will be recorded, but let me just say yes. thank you to everybody so much for listening. This is a great episode. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Winchester Bros, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you so much. We're about to go off the air, but we will be recorded. I I see a caller. I think it's our oh. our Hawaiian friend. <laughs> so I will let her on. We can at least say hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. The radio. Hi. Oh hi! I hi. You're talking about tall, and I, I was just uh, just was gonna say one thing. But my husband put my son on his shoulders, and he's really tall. And it went in, into a fun house uh, in one of those scary places. And my son has never re- recovered from that. So I thought uh, if, 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 if you could Aww. avoid doing that <laughs> when you're really tall, it, it destroys their life. It destroys their lives because it, he had a, my son on his shoulders, and and uh, my son has never, uh, and my son is as tall as he is now. But it, it ruins your life. <laughs> okay. And he's he's still he's still traumatized. He's traumatized now. Yeah, from from, from the to come down from the ceiling, and he was on his shoulders, and and uh, and and Dave didn't realize it, that uh, Dan was up there being horrified and. and Grabbed by monsters and <laughs> anyway, thanks for the show. <laughs> Bye. Oh. Oh, thanks for calling. <laughs> thanks for calling. Okay. Bye. Bye. And yeah. I agree. Like if you if you're tall and you stand on the edge of something, it's a lot further down than if you're short. Mm-hmm. People don't think about that. I'm looking down at like on average six inches more than you are. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Yeah. Just to sort of bring it back to supernatural, when the same friend who had Michael Shanks said, oh, you're tall, first photo op with, with Jared, it was the first Chicago convention, and the guys were sitting on stools. And he saw her, and he went, oh, great, I can stand up for you. <laughs> <laughs> bring it back There around. was, at the L.A. convention a few years ago, Becky, do you remember oh, that? that woman that yes, was like that- three? That yes, that was the convention where I met you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we were talking with her because I was with her, and well, we were standing with her and then um, somebody else that were both women that were both taller than me. And that's, as much as I complain about being tall, when women are taller than me, I'm very irritated by it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a munchkin with the three of you. <laughs> <laughs> you got me at 5'10", the other girl we were with was 5'11", and then that other woman was 6'3". All of us are flat at those heights. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm 5'2", standing in the middle of these people. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And I think yeah. I think she said she lived in Vegas. She and, her sister, her she and her sister were, like, country singers or something, weren't they? Yeah. Huh? yeah. If you're listening, whatever 
happened to y'all? <laughs> I had to do it for three years. What happened to her you? Sister, her <laughs> sister was as tall as she was. Mm-hmm. They were the same height. And remember, she they showed us pictures like wherever they go together, people want their pictures with them because they're so tall. And yeah, <laughs> yep. I don't know, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah, my friend's sister um, is six two. She's six foot, and her and her sister six two. So yep. Very in my in my highest heels, because I still do wear high heels, just not regularly. In my highest heels, I'm about six two and a half. So mm-hmm. I really, really want to wear those for a photo op one day with Jensen. Really want to. <laughs> I think that would be fun. <laughs> and just exactly because he's always he's always saying how you know he gets the you know Tom Welling and Tom Welling was six three, and then you've got Jared who went from six four to six five practically. And here's Jensen Ackle with a very respectable six one going mm-hmm. why am I the short guy? <laughs> yeah. I so weird. I had a friend back about ten, fifteen years ago. She's moved um to Minnesota since. But um she and I used we went to New York. We used to do all kinds of things together. And she was five eleven <laughs> Thick, thick, skinny, so thin. And here's little bitty short me, fat, little short fat me, with tall, skinny her. Whenever I was with her, I felt like we made the, the number 10, one and a zero, because it's like, you know, she's the one, I'm the short, fat zero, because I'm so, I'm round, and it's like, mm-hmm. I just always felt awkward with her. Loved her to death, but I felt awkward. Yeah. And see, when you, when you and I are places together, I don't feel like you're short. Until we stand in front of a mirror to do something, and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think we're going to do until we're in the car. For some reason, oh. when you're in the driver's seat and I'm in the passenger seat, <laughs> I feel so short. <laughs> That's true. I don't know yeah, why. It never, it never occurs to me that you're so much shorter than me, but you're like eight inches shorter than me, and I, it doesn't occur to me until we walk into a bathroom to fix our hair. We're like, I'm like, oh. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, okay. there's absolutely no help pulling my gray hairs. No help. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that, since we spent the last 10 minutes talking about height, which was fun, <laughs> it tells me we've talked pretty much uh, everything about goodbye, stranger. <laughs> so maybe we should wrap it up. I, I, will, I will miss Meg forever, but, yeah. Well, we'll see, because you never know. I, you know, there's that little tiny possibility out there, you know, Crowley could do something. Could happen. We'll find out. She may not be gone for good. And and let me tell you, if she does come back, boy, is she going to be mad at the Winchesters and Cats for leaving her behind. Oh, yeah. She has has every right to be. Yep, she does. Anyway, fantastic episode. Um, Wonderful writing, directing, acting, all around. Loved it. Looking forward to next yep. week. Definitely an epic episode. Robbie Thompson, you're amazing. You're my favorite writer. You're mm-hmm. awesome. Yes, you are. And I uh, thank everybody mm-hmm. listening. My goodness, we filled up two hours tonight. <laughs> thank you so much uh, for listening. If, uh, thank and, you for those um, of you who called in. Thank you for calling. Yep, thanks for calling. We'll see everybody next week on the podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.